uh, white, very white. I don't know what it is. Here we are. Doc says it's not a cold, so I don't know what it is. Um, or COVID, you know, the other thing that everybody hates to love or loves to hate. So a um, couple things. What I wanted to, oh, uh, Connie uh, does our decorating here inside. And uh, I want to put a plug in for her because she desperately needs two people that care about um, decorations. Uh, me, I would just uh, throw up a string of lights and it'd be, that'd be my decorations. Uh, Connie uh, does a lot of this kind of stuff. And so it's, it's nice and beautiful, but she needs help at Christmas. She's, gonna put, uh, she's got a lot of things that she wants to do. So if, you, if that's you, please see Connie or see me, and uh, we'll get you hooked up. I think she's going to do that the weekend after Christmas. After, not after Christmas. <laughs> after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Also, if you're visiting with us today, please be sure and, and send, uh, take one of these Connect cards, fill it out. They're on the back tables. They're also out on every table out in the foyer. And uh, just let us know you were here. And we'll, we'd like to just send you a text and say, hey, glad you were here. Uh, also, if you have a prayer need, you can fill one of these out. And if you would like to be in our text tree, fill one of these out also. Let's pray. God, uh, it is sweet to be together and uh, to worship, to sing, to lift up your name. I thank you for Brad. I thank you for his uh, talk about uh, conviction and his con uh, being convicting him, God, because that's, that's really what all this is about. If, if, if we come to church and we're not convicted, then um, it's just kind of a club. <laughs> it's kind of a social thing. It's kind of something we're supposed to do. So God, I just pray that uh, you will have some more of that going on today, some more conviction, uh, that you will uh, let me say the things I need to say and shut up on the things where I need to shut up. Be with the uh, folks here, let them have ears to hear and a heart that's open and receptive to the word that I'm going to share today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, we're in a, we're in a series called Four, uh, uh, Four Letter Words, and uh, a lot of you came back from last week I, after me putting you through hell. You know, you know, that was a joke. Come on, come on. I, I, you're like, oh, that was, it was, it was harsh. And I, I, I got so many questions last week, and um, I didn't even get to say uh, hello to a lot of you as I had to uh, go with all the questions. And all week I got questions. So uh, I think we hit a nerve <laughs> with some of you, and a good nerve, because the reality of hell means that, that there needs to be something on our part. And as Brad so succinctly put it, if there is a hell, uh, then I don't want to, uh, number one, I don't want to go there. And number two, uh, people that I love, I don't want to go there either. And so we talked about it very deeply, very convincingly. I, I pray and, and just use the word of God to say, here's what is going on with hell. So that was our four-letter word last week. Today, it's another four-letter word that nobody likes to talk in church, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Most of us, when we talk about four-letter words, we think about words that uh, are used in coarse language, that have uh, cussing kind of connotations to them. You know, we say uh, the F word and the S word and the H word, and all those words all flow from many of our mouths on a, a daily basis. I, I pray that some of the, you, you're working on that and God is uh, convin convincing you that your tongue can be tamed and, and it doesn't have to have those kinds of things come out of it. But somewhere along the line, I believe that the church started um, 
avoiding some important things like holiness. We're going to talk about that next week. Like obedience, like hell. Uh, there, there's some very important things that the church had kind of stopped talking about. And the word today that we're going to talk about is the word O-B-E-Y, obey. And this is another hard word because it's going to be hard to hear for some of you because some of you are in here and you're making up your own rules. God says you're supposed to be married and you're living together. God says you're supposed to be doing this or doing that and you're, you're oh, I know better than God. I know way better, so I, 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 I'll just do what I do because, God, that was old-fashioned. That was, that, that was outdated. That, sh- that happened a long time ago. Okay. That's not true. That's not true. But we still, we, we have our own little list of, of things that we think we can do and get away with and still call ourselves a Jesus follower. And so this four-letter word uh, comes to us today, uh, not talked about in most churches on a very uh, big basis. Again, back when I was young, we talked about it all the way. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I heard that song a bazillion times. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. What does that mean? Well, it's, it's got a lot of connotation to it. But why doesn't the church do that? I got three, three things that I could tell you real quickly why the church has gone away from talking about obedience, just like it did with talking about hell. Some avoid it for the, because they, they believe that the church uh, be, can become works-driven, that the church will become just about a scoreboard of keeping your rights and your wrongs. And so some churches have just gone the other way and said, we love you no matter what. You come to Jesus just as you are, which is true. <laughs> but he doesn't want you to stay that way. You get it? You get it? Yeah, come to Jesus just as you are. That's right. That's all right. But he doesn't want you to stay the way that you are. And he comes alongside of you. Not the church. He comes alongside of you. And he, he, he helps you. He shares with you. He shows you how you are supposed to go forward. A second reason that sometimes churches don't talk about the word view, obey, is because the word itself reminds us that we are not an authority, that somebody else is over us, and we don't like that. Currently, a lot of us don't like our government, yeah? Uh-huh. And currently, some of us aren't liking our God either. Because we disagree with what he said. Or we just don't know, or we just are just like letting it go by the wayside. A third possible reason that pastors and churches steer clear of the word obey is because the fear that when new people walk in the door, you're asking them for that C word, commitment. And I don't want to commit to anything, because if I get a better offer over here, I'll go over here. And if they say this or they do this, it happens all the time. We say yes to something and we get a better offer and we say no to the thing we originally said yes to. We do it all the time. Commitment is a dirty word today because it means you have to stick to it and do 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 it all the time. But I'd said like I just said a minute ago, if a sermon... And if a church and a preacher doesn't call us to a higher standard when you walk in this room, if the members don't feel convicted when they leave this place to become more like Christ, 
And they leave this place not wanting to be holy, not caring if they're holy or not, then there is a huge problem because all you are is a social club. All you are is a place where a bunch of people get together, sing some nice songs, pat each other on the back and say, you're sweet, you're sweet, Uh, I hope you don't die, and God bless you. And they leave, and they walk out the door. And that happens in so many places. I pray it happens less in our church. I pray it happens less and less every day. But for heaven's sakes, if you do those things, and you got the fog machines, and you got all those things, and you don't care about people's obedience, then don't call yourself a church. Don't call yourself a church. It's okay. You want to get together and have a party and, and, and have some great videos and some great skits and some great music. And yeah, it's nice, but that's not a church. A church is like that sign out there that every one of you pass every time you come in and out here. That's your mission field out there. It's not here. <laughs> this isn't your mission field. That's your mission field once you get out that driveway. That's your mission field. Look at Matthew 28. Let's go. I got several scriptures today. Big scriptures, long scriptures. I got a lot of scripture today, so hang with me. Matthew 28 says this. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. And he went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and he went. And then the father went to the other son and he said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did his father, uh, what his father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people that can't stand him and trying to trick him up. And he says to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes, pretty much the lowest people of the day, (laughs) are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you, Pharisees, Sadducees, preachers, For John came to you, John the Baptist came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent, you did not change, and you did not obey him. So these religious teachers are coming to try to fool Jesus, try to trip him up so they can take him into custody. And they say, yeah, yeah, but uh, what about that? What about that second son? What about that second son? And, and they, they know which one did the right thing. They don't. They don't go in the to the vineyard. They, they they're, they're there, and simply the savior thought, um, you guys are just giving us a bunch of lip service. That's what the Pharisees and Sadducees. Are. I've been watching the Chosen with my group on Thursday night, one of my fifty-five plus. I love that series. Half of it is in the Bible, the other half isn't. So don't call me on the on the validity of it. But I love how it puts it together. I love, I love, love, love the fact that uh, they they talk about all these things about how these people are trying to to get Jesus, and they're trying to they're trying to get it, and they're so crazy. And you, you see these, these Pharisees and these Sadducees and they're sitting alongside the road or they're sitting in the temple uh, taking scriptures and, and belting them out. Meanwhile, the, the, that they're, everybody around them is going to hell in a handbasket. 
But they're getting the scripture out. Hey, God loves us, and for the love of all God, believe them. You know, and it just it made no sense. It made no sense. So these same guys are sitting here trying to get Jesus tripped up when he tells them this story about these two. One, one said, I'll do it, and one said, I won't. <laughs> Which is better? Well, of course, the one that's better is the one who said, I won't, but he ended up doing it, and he changed his mind. It's better to say you won't than to say you will and not do it. It's better to try, try to follow that just a little bit. The second son in this parable, when the father tells him to go to work, replies very politely, oh, I will, sir. That's me. But he didn't go. Now, understand, understand, politeness is not a substitute for commitment. He was polite. Yes, dad, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We come in here, we sing our little songs, all the greats. Every week it's a different band. Every week it's a great worship time. We sing, oh, I love you, God. I love you, God. I ain't going to serve you, God, though. I'm not going to obey you because I know better. Mm, That doesn't work. That doesn't work. A promise is not a place place to to be performance. You to take what you do and to do what God asks you to do. You can promise, yes, I will, God. I will serve you. But then you don't. That's an issue. Jesus is saying it's better to have said no at some point and then be obedient and say yes and follow through. And that's what I want to share with each one of you here today. The first son says that he changed his mind. You know, that's the kind of people I want to be. I'm going to think about what I'm going to say. No, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. But then I'm, I'm going to think about it. and I go, Oh, yeah, I need to do it. My dad asked me. I don't like to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to obey my dad. Obedience is so important. It's key. It is key for every one of us in this room. And it is the worst thing that we like to talk about because besides hell, we don't want to talk about being obedient because it, it, then it, we have to put it back on us. I can find the faults in my, in my husband. My husband, you know, he, he's doing all these dumb things and he should be leading us and he should be the spiritual mentor of our house and he should be doing this. Or my wife should be, and, and we can pick each uh, uh, but pick on me? I've got to obey? <laughs> I've got to, uh, I've got to, to, to do what, what the Father asks? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. So that leads us to uh, the first thing that I want to show you, the whys of obedience. Here we go. Next one. The three whys. Here we go. Number one, why why is obedience important? Because obedience empowers your witness for Jesus. Brad talked about that a little bit, that your witness is important, that you shouldn't just sit around saved and sanctified and going, I'm so glad I love Jesus. I'm so glad I'm saved. And a lot of you have sat around this last week and probably thought, I am glad I'm saved. I'm glad. I'm glad. But that doesn't help anybody. Obedience takes your witness to another level. I mean, we never obey perfectly. And I want to make sure that you understand that. I, I'm, Jesus is not looking for you to be perfect. He is not looking for you, everything in your life, to line up and just be smooth as silk. But the more we obey... The more we obey, 
the more we transform our minds and our hearts to the will of God. The more appealing our witness becomes, the more people look at us and see Jesus. This is a hard statement to say, but I want to say it. If you're here today and you believe yourself to be a follower of Jesus, your life is going to look different. Your life is going to look and it's going to be different. Or else, you may not be following Jesus. You may be following you. Philippians 2 says this very clearly. It's not on the, on the screen. It speaks of Calvary. And it speaks of how Jesus was obedient even into death. He was obedient even to death. We talked about this a little bit in my group the other night. How, what it would it mean to be obedient even to death? We change our thoughts because we don't want to hurt somebody. Well, I don't want to offend them. I might offend them if I start talking about my faith to them. That'll, that'll offend them. Well, what about if somebody came up to you with a gun and said, hey, you've only denied for your faith? Uh, probably not. Okay. Obedience is such a quirky, incredible part of the Christian life. Look what James 1 says, 22 and 24. You know this. You could quote it. You got it probably on your shirt. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Boring. <laughs> Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Duh, dumb, that's stupid. Is it? <laughs> You look into this thing, and you, you look, if you look into this thing, it will change you if you allow it. If you look into this book, it will change you. It will transform you. There is something that nobody understands about this but followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus that look at this and allow it to seep into the, the very the crannies and crooks of their life. And, and just do what only God can do through that book. The Christian life is filled with countless counterintuitive things in this, in this culture. Everything that, the, that Christianity is teaching now, the culture, your junior high, your high school, your college, your peers are all teaching different things. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't match up. What Jesus taught does not go with the culture in which you live. How to love. It's in this book. The book says, says what? It says, of course, you're to, you're to have these feelings that love always trusts, love always perseveres until you hurt me. Love is always this and, and, until it never fails. Okay. Okay. You die to yourself in order to live. What? Die to yourself? What do you you want me to die? That means that, that you make others more important than yourself. Oh heck no. I'm cold. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself warm. 
I'm not comfortable. I'm going to get myself comfortable, even if somebody else is not comfortable. See, that's counterintuitive. There's people dying all around us of hunger. People here that are hungry in this very little city. Well, they should be doing something else. Well, maybe they should. But God never said to go be an inspector. He said, give a cup of cold water in my name. How do you view your job? Ooh, ouch. How do you view your job? It stinks. I hate my boss. I don't like the coworkers. I'm surrounded by idiots. Yeah, Colossians 3 says that everything we do, we do it as into serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Do you do everything you do as serving the Lord? That's, there's, there's the obedience thing. Do as, everything you do as serving the Lord. Not as, oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I have to. How you handle money. <laughs> How you handle money is intuitive. It's counterintuitive. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Who said that? Somebody with a lot of money, obviously, right? No. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That doesn't, that doesn't fit up here. All these things are so important because obedience takes your witness and it takes it to a different level. It makes it something that people notice. And we say that until we're blue in the face, but most of us, we're not getting it because we, we, we look unhappy 90% of the time. The look on our face looks like we're checked out. We go around with slumped shoulders, not knowing who we are, not knowing what we are. We're depressed. And people are looking at you and going, you're a follower of Jesus? Okay. Everybody's going through bad stuff. It's how you handle it with Jesus is what matters. Listen, everybody in this room has something really big to them, and they're going through it, and it's hard, and it's heavy, and it seems just insurmountable. But you are not the only one suffering here, buddy. Secondly, secondly, obedience, the why of obedience. Obedience demonstrates you trust in God. When you obey, it shows you that you're trusting him. Luke chapter 5, Jesus is out in the Sea of Galilee. Let's go to this story. Another long story. Stick with me. I'm going to read it all, Charlie, so I'll, I'll read through this, and then we'll go to the next one. Luke 5, 3 through 8. And he got into one of the boats. By the way, this is chosen, really does this really well. You ought to see this sometime. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. He sat down, and he began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Notice Simon's answer. And he said, Master, hey, Master, we work hard all night and caught nothing but, but there, I will do as you say. See, there's that complaint and an obedience. 
And he let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish in their nets and began to break. So they signaled to their partners, the other boat, for them to come and help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. There were no fish there in that place. Simon had fished all night. He was an expert fisherman. It's so important that we get this. Here it is, a seasoned fisherman talking to a seasoned carpenter <laughs> that probably has never been on the lake very much. And he, he's directing him by what to do things. But I will do what you say, he says, and I'll let down the nets. Now, see, I've got to be honest with you. When, when Jesus says things to me, and he does through his word, a lot, when I have doubts... When I feel like God is asking me to do something that I don't want to do, my first response isn't always, I'll do what you say. You know what I do? And I think you might too. I look for loopholes. What's a loophole? How can I do this and still make God happy? How can I get around it? How can I, how can I figure this out? Well, and... I, I can only imagine this discourse between Simon and Jesus. And, and, and here he is complaining and saying, we did it all night. And, and Jesus is going, yeah, and I'm a fisherman and I know what I'm doing. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I made the lake. Oh, yeah, you, you did make the lake. That's right. I made the fishies in the lake. So I think I'll trust him. I think I'll trust him. And he did. And he let it out. God wants our obedience, even when it doesn't seem rational. Have you ever come up against one of those things where it doesn't seem rational when God tells you to do something? You go, no, I don't want to do that. Man, I have done that so many times, and I have balked, and I have said, no, I'm not going to the vineyard today, God. I will not go. You told me to go to the vineyard. I'm not going. And then a week, a day, a month, a year later, <laughs> I go to the vineyard, and I do what he asked me to do. And so when you come to, when it comes to you personally here today, let, let's get real personal with each one of you in the, in the place today. So what does that mean? What does obedience mean that, that to trust him? It means this. When you get up on Sunday morning at, at 9.30, whatever time you get up, and you get up and you go, I don't want to go to church. You know, what's the big deal? You trust him anyway. You trust him anyway, and you go. You trust him anyway. You do it when a, you, it's a group, a group Bible study. I can't tell you how many Bible studies I have not wanted to go to when I go. I'm like, uh, it's 10 till 6. I don't want to be here. I don't want to go. It's not because I don't like you guys. I just I got some other stuff to do. I just like to relax. I just want to sit around. I just want to take this. I want to do that. You do it anyway. You do it anyway. You're a little tight on, on money. You give anyway. You forgive even when you've been hurt. Oh, that's hard. That's harsh. God wants your obedience. There we go. All right. Screen number three. I think we're ready. This is for uh, the, the third obedience. Why of obedience. And then we're just about done. Obedience shows our love for the Lord. It shows that we love him. When you do what he asks you to do, when you go through the, 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 the things that he puts before you and you do them, it shows that not only do you trust him, 
but that you love him, that you love him. And so I want to use the story of King Saul on this one. Think of King Saul for a minute and look at John, um, I think it's 2, yeah, 2, verse 3 and 5. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> by this, by what? By our obedience, <laughs> they will know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments, that's a pretty strong word, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. We know that he, you say, how do I know? <laughs> that you're obeying him. That you're following him and you look more like him today than you did yesterday. Because if you don't look more like him today than you did yesterday, if your life is still a dumpster fire and you're going from day to day to day and making worse decisions and worse choices and horrible things are going on because of the choices you're making, not because of things that happen to you, then there's a problem. There's a severe problem. King Saul Back in the Old Testament, I wanted to use this, and then I'll, I'll be done. Oh, I got two more stories. I'm sorry. I lied. King Saul is a, is a problem child. He is a lot like most of our kids growing up. King Saul had the same problem that most of our children, and we did when we were growing up. It, it kind of was like um, they were the kind of people that if you asked them to do something, they would just kind of wait around and they would try to find ways to dilute what you asked them to do. Clean your room. Okay, I went up there and you, you hear them, they're throwing stuff around. You go up there and it still looks horrible. See, King Saul was always doing that. God gave him, gave him this incredible kingship, sets him up on, on the throne, blesses him like nobody's business, and he's still looking for shortcuts. I think that's like some of us. And the prophet Samuel confronts Saul on about his disobedience. He tries to pass the, the blame, and he says, hey, um, he, God, God tells him, he says, I want you to go and I want you to destroy this king and everything in it, and I don't want you to take any animals, I don't want you to take any, any kind of uh, uh, pirate's booty from, this, from these people. Just leave it alone. Now, Saul knew better. He went in, and he, he kept... He kept a lot of the animals. And then Samuel comes to him and confronts him about it. I've got to take a drink, sorry. I'm getting a, a bug. Samuel comes and he confronts him about it. And he says, oh, I, I just wanted to have the, the perfect ones to give as a sacrifice. That's why I kept them. Yeah, that's why I kept them. <coughs> you ever do that? Some things you know are God's, <laughs> you don't give, you hold on. And you just, you just hold on to them, you hold on, you hold on to your gifts, you hold on to the talents you have, you hold on to, to different things, and you don't share them with anybody. And you're, you're skirting the issue. You're not obeying him fully. Samuel makes it very clear that it, this was, uh, was disobedience, that Saul had disobeyed God when he asked him to do that. See, obedience is God's love language. It's his love language. It's what makes God go, oh, look, they really love me. 
He, didn't make, he could have made us into puppets. He could have made us into these people that, oh, we love you, God, we love you, God, we love you, God. But who wants that? He wants the real, I love you, the real passion, the love that says, I love you no matter what. Jesus says this, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments, church. Keep my commandments. Do you, uh, does that resonate with you at all today? as it comes into regards of being a true disciple. A true disciple is a person who does the will of his father. And the will of his father is right here. You don't have to go anywhere except right here. And most of us don't want to go here because we say things like, I've tried it, it's boring, I don't understand it. Um... I don't, it just doesn't make sense, and I'll just move on, and we don't do anything about it. And that's one of the first things that God wants you to do today, that some of you hear. He wants you to start reading his word again, because the word makes a difference in you. I don't understand it, but I know it does. And if you don't have a plan to get the word into you on a daily basis, you are not going to obey God in the way that he's called you to do his will in this kingdom we call earth. Jesus concludes a sermon, one of the most important sermons he does is on the Sermon on the Mount. And we find it in Matthew 7, 26. Did I put that, or did I put that verse on there? I think I did, Charlie. 7, 24. I'll take 21. That's good. Here we go. That's I had it down on my Not everyone. Th- th- Jesus is, is just give this incredible sermon to all these people called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he tells the story right after that about another Sunday school song that you've all heard before. The, the wise man built his house upon the... Anybody know it? A rock. And what did the foolish man do? He built on the sand. Yeah, he tells this story about these two guys. And it, it's, a, it's been a song that's been with us since, since a lot of us were, were young people. And it's a song that it's fun to sing, but there's so much truth in it. And the, the, the wise builder realized this. He realized that if he wanted to do the hard work of digging his foundation that no matter what came along, he would stand, his house would stand, and he would not be put out to sea. The foolish man did not understand that, and he didn't take the time, he didn't have a good foundation, and when the storm came, he got swept out to sea, just like that. I want you to catch the central point of the story. It's not important that you know where that is in the Bible. It's not important that you know that we go over every aspect of that story. But here's what I want you to catch about the wise men and the foolish man, the the builders that built and the places they built. Jesus is trying to make through this story you to see the difference between these two builders. And you got to make sure that you see what the difference is. The difference is that one was heard and obeyed the other one only heard. That's my lesson today. You either hear and obey, 
or you're just here. And a lot of you are just hearing. You're just hearing. The next piece that God's coming and wants to put in place in your life today is obedience. Is obedience. That'll be a, it won't be a four-letter word anymore. It won't be something that you look at as a, as a thing that is never going to be obtained because, you know, I'm human, and I, I, make, I make problems, and I make mistakes, and I sin. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. But, but, <laughs> if I'm following Jesus, I want to look more like him today than I did yesterday. And if I'm not looking more like him that I did yesterday, then am I really following Jesus? There's the, there's the comparison. When we obey God, we show that we trust him, and we, he has our best interest in mind. I spent about 30 hours with my, my uh, granddaughter, Mercy, this uh, last weekend. The, the uh, ladies' retreat was there, and Adam was in uh, Atlanta, and so Kelsey was down helping Brenda with that, and I had her, and I had, uh, it's been a while since I've had a little baby in my house, an 18-month-old baby, and uh, all the time, for that many times. I mean, it's every day I, I get to see her, but to see the trust that she had in me, to see the, just the childlike trust, to just know that I knew that she was going to have something to eat, that I was going to take care of her, that we were going to have fun that I was going to change her poopy diaper, that I was going to change, it was all going to be, it was just a, it was a given. It was a given. It was going to happen. There was, she wasn't sitting about there worrying about whether it was going to happen. She just trusted. She just trusted. And to see that assurance in her, that's the same kind of assurance you can have with God your Father. He has got your best interest in mind. He is not out to trip you up. He is not out to make you look like a fool. He is not out to, to make you, to, to just to, to set you off into the, the abyss and say, you know, have fun, I'll see you when you get to heaven. He wants to be involved in the day-to-day life of your, of your living. He wants to be involved in the choices and decisions of what you do with your checkbook, what you do with your time, what you do with your attitudes, your action, what you scroll, what you don't scroll, what you put into your mind, what you don't allow into your mind. He wants to be a part of all those things. And so today, we're going to pray. And I want to challenge you today to take that four-letter word and not let it be a bad thing anymore, to let it be something that gives you trust and gives you love and know that you are loved and that he has your best interest in mind every day. Every day. You don't always have everything, people's best interest in mind, but he does. I don't always have everybody's best interest in mind, but Jesus does. Let's pray as the, the band comes. Dear God in heaven, you are a good father. That's who you are. And we love that you're that way. We pray today, God, that we would accept this challenge. The challenge of your word to be like the son who said no. And then to repent and to obey and to go where you tell us to go. Because God, we're, we know that we're, we're hurting you when we say, I will. <laughs> I love you, Jesus. I love you. And then we go out the door 
And we do everything that's counter what you just told us to do. Where everything that's in the word is there for our benefit, for our reason. So God, I pray that we will be a people of the book, that we will be people that allow your spirit to change and to uh, come into our lives and to do the things that needs to be done in us. God, we open ourselves up to you during this ministry time just now. And we say, would you just uh, do a work in us? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today.